What the fuck did you just say to me, Kyle? <laughs> what in the goddamn fuck did you just say? I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. <laughs> We're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences for being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those squirrely weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how I am absolutely going to make Andrew regret telling me that I can't overshare TikToks with him. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring Inject it on. TikTok straight into my veins. I had to carve out 20 minutes just to catch up on all the TikToks that you numbskulls were sending me all day. <laughs> Can we can we publicly pressure Matt to join TikTok now? I won't. I'm trying. I won't do I, it. I sent mm. that Power Rangers one to all three of you in an attempt to to get Matt on the hook. Here, here's the thing. Much like I know that I would love the Mandalorian, we all know that Matt would love TikTok <laughs> if he gave it a chance. But we know that he's not. Just like I'm never not going to give the Mandalorian a chance, <laughs> even though that's totally not fair. <laughs> <sighs> Much like Matt, you are also missing out. <laughs> There's, there's, what are we talking about today, Kyle? There's too much content everywhere, and we're all going to miss out on some of it. So Matt, mm-hmm. Matt has drawn his line in the sand on TikTok. So last year, we gave our listeners the option through our Patreon, patreon.com slash debate this cast, to pay us $50 in exchange for one host doing a deep dive episode on the topic of that listener's choice. This has led to some classic debate this episodes on topics like pirate anime world, popular online battle yelling game, and benevolent trickster food deity. Uh, question real quick, uh, Kyle, is popular online battle yelling game, is that, uh, is that League of Legends? That's League or of was Legends. That, oh, I was going to say, that could also be Overwatch. It could be a lot of things, yeah. Mm. It, it could also be Overwatch. Um, so we also did popular online battle yelling game two then as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, and World of Warcraft that wasn't a flavor text. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we continue through our backlog of topics people care at least fifty dollars about, and thank citizen of Butthwomp Nation Nathan LV on Discord by dipping our toe into one of the most popular franchises in the history of modern media, one of the most beloved properties by people who hate this property, and a topic we all agreed we wouldn't cover when we started this podcast a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That is right, friends. We are doing a Star War. Doing a dang Star War. Doing a Star War. (laughs) Um, Nathan... Nathan asked us to do a flavor text on Mandalore, the planet, not the Mandalorian, the show, or any other uh, conjugation of the word Mandalorian. Um, we are doing... He, she, it, Mandalore. <laughs> I, Mandalore. You, Mandalore. Mandalorgy, the study of Mandalore. <laughs> I don't like the word Mandalorgy. And that's guys, good. yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll get to it. But the word Mandalore has like three different definitions depending on what you're referring to. (laughs) So, hey, real talk, I'm super excited for this. Somebody Um, has to be. I am too. I'm. I'm not. I'm unironically excited for this. I'm like a four out of ten Star Wars fan. Not like I'm fan of four out of ten of the movies, but like I'm a four on a scale of ten. 
Um, but I am pumped for this. I, I was thinking while prepping for this, I don't know if any of us are like a 10 out of 10 fan. I would, I don't know Andrew's level of fanship. I'd probably put myself at a, like a seven or eight mm-hmm. on that scale. So I, I would volunteered yeah. to do this because I, I am very much a fan of star Wars. Just cause I'm curious, Todd has put himself at a four. Kyle, you said mm-hmm. you're like a seven out of eight or a seven or eight. I would say I'm like maybe a five to a five and a half. Andrew, where would you put yourself? Same. There was a time where I was really into Star Wars, and that time was specifically 2005. Um, (laughs) Okay. What a weird time to be really into Star Wars. So uh, the third movie, the third of the prequels came out, Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big movie. And that was like I was in junior year of high school. So that that was a big time. Um, but I got real into uh, Knights of the Old Republic, which is why uh, I'm super. Yeah. Which is why I'm very excited for this one because this Fair. is the Old Republic lore that Disney had kind of been like, "Nah, we're good," but kind of retconned back in with Clone Wars. I understand, which I've not seen Clone Wars. I've heard it's very good, but I've not seen that. So I know a little bit of this, but I don't know what I know if I what I know is canon anymore. <laughs> My understanding of it, because I am not. I'm also not up to date on what fully is and isn't canon is that most of the, the stuff that like was declared non-canon is still canon, except <laughs> in the parts where there's like continuity clashes yeah, except uh, overlaps. Yeah. and then, yeah. and they just, they're hammering those out as they come up. But, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's kind of what it is. I think everyone growing up had that friend who read all the Star Wars mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Like for Matt, <laughs> like we all know whose Matt friend that was for Matt. Yeah. Um, I also had that friend growing up and uh, and they were the person who was like yelling at the top of the mountains like, the Emperor was actually not that bad because he's <laughs> trying to save us, save them all from like this galactic alien race that's going to come and invade and totally does. And obviously like that doesn't exist anymore. We, we got right. Kylo Ren instead of the whatever that was. Well, and it's technically not off the table because that plan is still like... X yeah, number of years coming into Star fruition. Wars shoved down our brains until the end of time. So, so I, I have here. We aren't we aren't doing a whole Star War because if we did, we wouldn't be able to do any other fun nerdery because all of our time would be spent unraveling a universe concocted by an obsessive compulsive nerd who thought of a backstory for everything down to the prop made out of an ice cream maker that they had that they had on set. What? <laughs> Can you unpack that well, for me? Yes. Yeah, same- so. So George Lucas, in yeah. making his... <laughs> so George Lucas. <laughs> has never made a mistake. Continue. Has never made a mistake ever. Never missed a story. Um, in, in his like merchandising deal, realized there was an, un, an unlimited number of money to make through merchandising, so long as he gave fans a reason to care about every little aspect of the universe. So to do that... He gave everything you ever see a full backstory in the like 20 years following the release of the first three Star Wars movies. And that includes um, at one point in um, what's the second one? Return of the J- Empire, Strikes, Empire Back? Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> I promise I know what I'm this talking about. This is why we about. don't have a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, this yeah. is why we don't have a Star Wars podcast. There is a point when they are like evacuating Cloud City that someone runs across the screen holding a prop that is clearly just like a repurposed ice cream maker from the 70s. So there is a you can buy the toy version of that prop and it it is literally called like Ice Screamo 
994 or something. Like it's got a weird name referencing cool. that it is just a an ice cream maker that they painted to look like a Star Wars prop. And that's that's the unpacking of that is like Oh my Jordan. god, you're telling the truth. Wow. <laughs> wow, I Googled it. You can get a it's his name is Wilro Hood, and he is carrying an ice cream maker. Mm-hmm. And you can buy an action figure of this man. Wow. I was not lying. The only thing that was made up in that entire sentence was Ice Screamo 994. With <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> wow. Uh... So today, we are only going to focus on one small aspect of the greater Star Wars universe that was born from the backstory of everyone's favorite badass, ultimately useless, or is he, character, the stern and stylant Boba Fett. But not actually Boba Fett. We are going to talk about the clan-based cultural group he belongs to, the Mandalorians. And no, not the Disney show. We're going to leave that <laughs> to the handsome geniuses over at the Pluses Loose. Um, we are talking about the planet and and group at large, the Mandalorians. Their history, like... culture, and everything. Mandalorians are kind of like the Branch Davidians, right? <laughs> um <laughs> Was that was that only for Matt? That Might only be for Matt. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh boy! Thanks for that. Um, okay, so like, let me just let me ask the dumb at the beginning here. So wait, I, wait, let me get let me let me introduce you guys, and then you can ask the dumb. Sure. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Andrew. I looked it up. I get the joke. I'll, I'll put we the dumb on we hold. Recorded in a while. I can't do it alone. So that is why I conscripted the help of my three favorite guns for hire. Todd, Satine Cries, Thomas, Matt, Din, Jaren, Cole, and Andrew, Tare, Vizala, Henderson to help me guide you, the listeners, through a deep dive of the history of the Mandalorian people. Okay, so I ordered all of our middle names at a Mediterranean restaurant last night. Anyway, (laughs) um, so am I to understand, again, like five of ten Star Wars fan, I've seen the nine movies and Solo and that other one about the Death Star plans, and that's it. Rogue One. Thank you. Rogue One. Um, so are the, the Mandalorians are, in a sense, like the Jedi? Like they are a faction of people in space who exist? There is a race. So they're... they're I'd call <laughs> them... Do you, just, you just, do you mean races? Do you mean people? Well, no, because like I, Jedis can be of any race, right? Yeah. They're, like, they're more like the Sith so in that okay. there, is a, there is a race, the Sith... And then the Sith is a larger, like, religious organization following the Force. Um, There is a Mandalorian race, the people from the planet Mandalore. However, they also accept anyone willing to follow the the Mandalorian code as Mandalorians, making them, yes, a, like, clan-based cultural group more than a race of people. It's a capital M Mandalorian versus the lowercase M Mandalorian. Sure. I feel like no. they would all have capital M. Yeah, I think I M's. think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we start, listeners, please understand that I am in no way a Star Wars scholar. Um, and I'm aware that between the old canon, the actual canon, and then conflicting things in between those canons, I almost certainly got something wrong in the next seven pages of notes. 
So as you're listening, if you hear me say something that you know to be wrong, I would like you to DM me on Twitter at T-Square87 and tell me at length how wrong I am. Good. And if I don't respond, just remind me every few hours until I do respond. Again, that is at T-Square87. Every DM that I get, I'm going to respond with, this is the way. That's every single one. That's a that's a Mandalorian. That is TV a Mandalorian show joke. thing. We're go- oh, yeah. we're gonna get to it, Todd. It's it's a whole thing in the Mandalorian culture. Yes, yes. Who's ready? Who's got questions? I guess we should go. Who's who's aware of the Mandalorians and and how aware are you? I feel like having watched the show, I have a fairly decent idea of what's going on. Even though I think I'm the lowest on the Star Wars knowledge, I may be the highest on the Mandalorian. Todd, you'll be happy to know that the Mandalorian show does come up in the last two sentences of everything we're going to talk about. (laughs) Oh, my God. You just wait for me there. Uh, So I mentioned I play a lot of Knights of the Old Republic. So it wasn't a main storyline, but what was referenced a lot was this period of time called the Mandalorian Wars, which there is a character named Karth that you could chase into the desert and when, when he became evil <laughs> and you could just convince him, he's such a boner you could convince him <laughs> to just like run away and abandon ship and he would just go ah and that his whole thing was he was like a decorated pilot in the mandalorian wars which oh. was like kind of like the clone wars for the old republic saga well there's a few mandalorian wars we i think we get into the ones okay. referenced there the good um, ones yeah yeah, <laughs> the, good the good wars. Uh, as stated earlier, I am not a Star Wars deep lore fan. My Star Wars fandom is the Skywalker saga and uh, Episode One Pod Racer and a little bit of Battlefront <laughs> Two, and that's it. Um, but also, as stated earlier, my best friend was the extended universe guy. So I've heard these words. I just don't know what they mean. Well, good. I'm I'm so thrilled that you gave actual depth to Karth as a character. I played <laughs> that game so long ago. Like even when you meet Karth, you're like, you're a vanilla ice cream cone. That's all you are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't need you. So fun fact that voice that same voice actor Bioware brought back for Caden yep. in yep. the Mass Effect trilogy to play the uh, same exact character, the in same a character. franchise. And they totally knew it, and they they did that on purpose, and it was great. All right. Well, good. You guys all have like a baseline understanding of star wars at least so you're not gonna you're you're prepared for how deep the rabbit hole is about to go yeah they're like little people and they're inside of other people and they determine how much force power they have and stuff right (laughs) (laughs) you're you're thinking of of midichlorians which are the powerhouse of the cell matt (laughs) (laughs) um good so oh, we're right. gonna we're gonna start with with just like a general like backstory of Mandalorian people, their culture. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get into some of the like main events from Mandalorian history. So Mandalore is a is a desert planet in the outer rim territories of the Star Wars of the galaxy Star Wars takes place in. So like, if if the galaxy is a circle, Mandalore is on the outside of that circle as opposed to like the inner inner rim, the core and the deep core which focus more inward towards the circle. Yeah, it's like um, it's like Delaware. It's it's not inside of 270, but you can get there if you take the right road. Exactly. Who is that for? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, do you have any other reference points like Tatooine is on the outer rim or something? I wish I, 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 wish I okay. did. I <laughs> okay. really don't know. Fair like th- I don't know the map of, Who of cares? the Star Got Wars it. galaxy enough. I'm sure it exists. Somebody has it in their bedroom. It it exists. I saw it in my research. I it, I don't care enough to reference totally it. Fair. I'm so sorry, listeners. If don't. you really are worried about it, look it up. Um, the important thing to take away is like the outer rim is less less opulent less ingrained in in like the republic slash empire conflict than the planets as you move inward it's it's more wild west less less refined so these the shortage of resources on mandalore encouraged a harsh battle ready society to develop that would eventually expand beyond the the borders of its own planet and would send groups of warriors to nearby planets to conquer Um, This eventually led to conflict with the Jedi Order when uh, planets under Republic protection came under attack by Mandalorians. Um, There was a war that resulted following these initial conflicts between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. And to this day, the two groups still have a very contentious and complicated history. Um, So although Mandalorian once referred to the people from the planet Mandalore, it now refers to like the, the again, like I said earlier, a clan-based culture that can include any species, so long as they uphold the values of a Mandalorian. Not unlike the Jedi, not unlike the Sith. Um, you aren't a Mandalorian by race; you're a Mandalorian by creed. Are you gonna go over the principles they have to abide by? Oh, to in the culture. I'm I mean, so, it might be a stupid question. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that oh. question because because I'm I am. Um, so the Mandalorians value above all else, uh, battle, honor, and tradition, um, to, to draw a comparison. They hold a lot of the same values as like the Klingons from Star Trek. If you're more familiar with Star Trek. Yeah, that was for me. Thank you. Yeah. They're a, they're a, they're a battle society. Like you, you know, everything you, they say you can take at face value because they aren't, they aren't liars. They aren't a lying society. Um, they, you know, if if you don't agree to a battle to the death, they aren't going to kill you. They're just going to defeat you. And if you agree to terms of combat, they're going to follow them. Um, that's like the honor, the tradition cut, ties in with the battle. If you win by underhanded means to a Mandalorian, you didn't really win. That's, that's kind of our baseline going forward for what to keep in mind. So, like everything in this universe, the Mandalorians have their own set of rules to follow. Um, and it's broken into a few different things. Um, we will start with the simplest of them, the Mandalorian code. So in 60 BBY, <laughs> um, what? So <laughs> similar to how we in the real world have, um, BCE and AD. Um, a, is it AD still? I know it's, it's- uh, it, it is in my brain. I don't fucking know, but sure. It doesn't matter. Similar to how we we differentiate our history as like before Christ and after Christ, um, the Star Wars universe differentiates its history before the Battle of Yevon and after the Battle of Yevon. The Battle of Yevon being the X-Wing run on the Death Star in the New Hope. Oh. So everything okay. in the Star Wars universe, as, as it relates cool. to time is based off of the first Death Star blowing up slash Luke Skywalker getting like the medal at that ceremony at the end of... Not, like, an important event, sure, but, like, 
Yeah. Is it as important as Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I what didn't. I didn't come Oops up with it, guys. <laughs> I just Oops among us. It's definitely just a big analogy for Jesus. That's all that they did. It's that. Yeah. It's it's a very identifiable moment to yeah, fans. Yeah, if you're just sure. like, yeah, yeah, this took place 60 years before. Especially before if you're Hope. like, if you're like, I know all the movies, and it's yes. like, okay, all this happened before the movies. It's, Great. Done. It's an easy way to put it in context to the movies. Yeah. So hypothetically, if you were you know making stories and you were unable to look past the exact story that you were making, you would make that the central point of the rest of your stories. So. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> Big universe, lots of stuff going on, but that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, oh, oh, also, uh, sorry, Kyle. It's common era. CE. Just to know, you know that. Whatever. Thank you. Great. It's BCE and CE. BC, before Common Era and Common Era. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Cool. Um, so in 60 BBY, the Mandalorian soldier Jaster Mareel ascended to the title of Mandalore, which is, the, rules. which is the title given to all the tribes of Mandalorians. You'll also notice that Mandalore is the name of the planet. Um, yeah, not a not a very creative bunch these Mandalorians. I, wait, I okay, typed, hold on. Sorry, I typed question. some some disambiguation of the word Mandalorian. 7,000 times in writing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick question. So Jaster Mareel earned the title of Mandalore because he is the leader of a tribe of Mandalorians or the leader of all the tribes of Mandalorians? The the leader of all the tribes of Mandalorians is called the Mandalore. Okay, with got an it. apostrophe between the two syllables. Really? Yes. Hmm. That's not confusing at all. It's not confusing at all. <laughs> It will Oof. come up. It'll come up again, and I will try and differentiate between when we're talking about the planet and and the ruler. You should be able to figure it out. Hey, okay. do you guys know what the Wikipedia is called for Star Wars? Yeah, it's, it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Todd's first day on the internet, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's Welcome. great out here. <laughs> so when Jaster Mareel took uh, took the title of Mandalore. He aimed to end the dishonorable and savage practices taken up by the various clans over the years, um, basically trying to unite them, make them like a, a society and not just like this Got nomadic it. tribe of, of warriors. He's Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah. Very, very apt comparison. And he did that by creating the Mandalorian Code, uh, putting it into writing and trying to reinstitute and codify um, kind of all the ancient warrior codes that they had fallen followed in the past, but had kind of fallen by the wayside because, again, no one was enforcing this. They were just warrior nomads out pillaging and conquering. So the first the first thing he put in the Mandalorian code are called the Canons of Honor. Um, and and they're a creed, a, a, a poem, just a nice, concise way of of putting the, their values into word um, and the canons of Mandalorian honor are as follows strength is life for the strong have the right to rule honor is life for one with no honor may as well be dead loyalty is life for without one's clan one has no purpose death is life one should die as they have lived this is the way okay. there's that quote there's that quote, there Todd. That's for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ding. The Mandalorian canons of honor are derived from the codes of the first Mandalorian warriors aimed at attaining glory and honor. 
Um, they're the oldest rules for being a Mandalorian and where the catchphrase, this is the way from the show that everyone likes to say is from. Um, okay. If you think about them as like the Mandalorian 10 commandments, you're probably not super far off base. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, not super specific, but like get at the core of what they're trying to do. Yep. Okay. So this is your, your, these are your, your, your orcs, your, whatever the heck Drax is like, this mm-hmm. is the most archetypical, like strength based character. Yep. Okay. Um, so the next thing he, he put into word were are called the Rizolnar, Rizolnar. Um, there, there are six actions central to Mandalorian life. So anyone that wishes to be considered a true Mandalorian must live these six actions daily. Um, to ignore them is to be Darmanda or ignorant of their heritage and without the Mandalorian soul. So the, the six Rizolnar are wearing armor, speaking the language, defending yourself and your family, raising your children as Mandalorians, contributing to the clan's warfare, and rallying to the Milan, the Mandalore's cause, the leader, the, the, the one leader's cause when called upon. Can we unpack wear armor? <laughs> like, <laughs> and all of them like, like, oh yeah, they're like contributing to their society, like protecting what, what you love, like, you know, country before, whatever. And then like, make sure you wear that armor because Listen, they've got a dress code. <laughs> we never gave Boba Fett a face. So, <laughs> so, so kind of like what Todd said jokingly is kind of true. They, they have a dress code weapons yeah. and the weapons and armor a Mandalorian uses are very, um, are very, specific like very sacred almost sacred to them but literally it, it just kind of comes from like you are always ready for combat you are always you are wearing armor yeah. is kind of yeah. where that comes from it's that beskar armor that, that beskar armor um so in the early days of mandalorian conquest they would force these these rules upon the the people they conquered um so you either you know agreed to be a mandalorian and follow these six rules or you would be killed as Mandalorians became less religious and less kind of, and more just kind of like space warriors than space religious zealots. They, they faded away from forcing people to join them and just kind of said like, yeah, you can be Mandalorian if you want, this is what you got to do. Or you can just be like a people under the Mandalorian flag. And if, as long as you, you know, pay your tax or whatever, we'll leave you be. So that's the Rizolnair. Um, and the last thing has the best name. It is called the Super Commando Codex. Oh, that <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is, what a leap that is to go from the Canons of Honor and the Rizolnair to the Super Commando Codex. It's my, my favorite right? NES game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this was Jaster's own addition to the Ancient Rules of Honor. Um, they're an attempt by the Mandalar to kind of modernize their role in the galaxy and establishes the Mandalorians as no longer like bandits or raiders acting as on their own accord, but as elite, highly trained soldiers and honorable mercenaries. So there's about a hundred or so laws in the Super Commando Codex, and they state things like what is acceptable to do in combat, what jobs they are and aren't allowed to take to be considered honorable and how they kind of share their spoils with um to best benefit the clan and themselves 
some of the laws from the Super Commando Codex that come up in The Mandalorian, to give a reference point, are raising children orphaned in battle. That's where the, the foundlings concept comes from, for those of you who have watched the show. Um, you raise them in the Mandalorian way until they are of age, or until you can reunite them with their people, which again is mm. kind of the driving action of like the back half of season two of Mandalorian. And um, and then we see the, the main character, Din Djarin, um, offering a portion of his bounty of me- Beskar metal to, to the armorer that they, they can put toward like other Mandalorian's armor and repairing it. So in the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal's character gets like this huge reward of like tons of Beskar metal and he makes himself nice swanky armor out of it, but he also donates some of it to like his clan so that they can touch up their armor as well. There's a hundred or so of these laws in the codex. I don't have them all. I don't know them all, but those are some of the ones that we've, that are easily accessible in, in the modern media. Well, I wonder if there actually is a listing of all 100 or so, or if it's just like when plot requires a a law, (laughs) that law is there and they better hope there's not 101 plot deserving moments there's a bajillion books i'm sure they were listed out at some point in the books and disney hand waved all the books away except for what they want to care about so now it's probably a case of where like yeah we'll make that a mandalorian law it's a good plot why not right yeah i'm i'm so sure that at one point you could buy yourself a copy of the super commando codex it feels right. <laughs> in a poster like that goes totally on your wall. Different. It was probably yeah. a poster. You probably bought it at like Spencer's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but or, it was definitely or the, for the sale. traveling poster salesman that would visit colleges, college campuses in the early 2000s. Yeah. 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 FYE, also an option for where that, per- <laughs> that, where that purchase could be made. <laughs> what a pool. Um, so, so as combat is so central to the Mandalorian identity, so too are their weapons and armor with their T-shaped visors on their helmets being like the primary identifier of Mandalorian soldier. That's like in the, the super commando codex. Now that's like part of the, the always have your armor thing is like that T-shaped Boba Fett visor. All Mandalorians aim, have that visor or aim to have that visor. Their armor does hold a high significance. It is supposed to be constructed out of incredibly strong Mandalorian iron that is mined from the planet Mandalore itself or its moon Concordia. And that iron is called Beskar. Um, so that is where Beskar comes from, Todd. It used to be like um, the planet and moon are mostly mined of their Beskar now. And um, it, through through past transactions, Mandalorians have traded most of the Beskar away. Um, now it is considered almost holy to them again. It's considered more valuable than currency when when you can obtain it because of its history history and like special properties. Um, you know, if you if you could get paid in in gold or credits or Beskar, a true Mandalorian, quote unquote, would pick the Beskar every time. It is a plot device in the show mm-hmm. where it's like, well, now I have to do this mission for this person. 
because yep. they have Beskar. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's it's vibranium, like it's whatever <laughs> it's made of fake metal it yep. needs to be. Adamantium, <laughs> you got it. Take your pick. It, yeah, it's one of the few substances in the Star Wars universe that resists lightsaber attacks. Like yep. it's it's of course it's vibranium. Sure it is. Yeah. yeah, it's um vibranium or adamantium or whatever other fictional <laughs> super strong metal. MacGuffin metal. Yeah. Yep. So Beskar can only be forged for Mandalorians by Mandalorian armorers in like an almost sacred position and ritual among Mandalorians. Um, and these armorers not only like are tasked with providing soldiers, the, the, the Mandalorian soldiers with like tools and armor that they need to complete their missions, but they also do preserve the traditions of Mandalore and like, um, you know, will emblazon armor with special insignias based on combat and, and victories and will pass down lore as they, as they forge these armor, these armors for Mandalorians. Um, again, like I said, in kind of, it's almost like a, like a battle priest position to be a Mandalorian armor. Yeah, it is very cool. So Mandalorian, the weapons used by Mandalorians can vary from soldier to soldier. Um, they have special, they have certain things they favor over others, but they're not in any way, like, not like the T-shaped visor or the Beskar. They're not, like, obligated to use them. But almost all the weapons they choose have origins in either countering or copying the abilities of the Jedi because of those initial conflicts they had with the Jedi when they were first, like, expanding so, for example, like the jetpack that um, almost every Mandalorian has is meant to mimic the Jedi's abilities to enhance their strength and speed so that they can like jump long distances and like move super fast. Can most Jedi's jump real high or is that just like Yoda and, force, and the force one jump movie? is like a standard? It's, it's yeah. a pretty okay. standard move. thing among Jedi that they Okay, I know they can do the like telekinesis, like mm-hmm. force move, force push or whatever. Okay. Again, my entire reference just is Knights of the Old Republic. That's fine. <laughs> um, another one they use a lot are they're called vibroblades, which are meant to combat um, the lightsaber technology Jedi use. Oh, they're right. just a you know a special sword that's meant to withstand lightsaber attacks. Um, but beyond that, Mandalorians favor blasters, flamethrowers, and rockets, while also being skilled to utilize like tie lines and bladed weapons for hand-to-hand combat. They are they are you know, warriors. They are ready for almost any form of combat and usually are armed to the teeth to to do such. What's a what's a tie line? Like a like a, a rope, like a cable. I think like a yeah, like a like I would say a grappling hook, but that makes you think you're gonna pull yourself to something. Yeah. It's like the reverse. Like you're gonna like you're gonna like tie up someone's feet and pull them to you. Okay. Like a like a pro- yeah, but like a, a rope that you can like a lasso like well but you it's, <laughs> well you project it you know it's a projectile rope that you is a still attached to the mandalorian that they can pull people so a lasso so a lasso a sure. space lasso they're gonna kind. they're gonna go hog tie them the space samurai well if you would watch the mandalorian it's space in cowboys the first, in the first episode he uses it for a very cool presentation <laughs> moment and it's awesome like bolas I right i had to i had to Similar. dig for the word but i think they're like bolas like bolas, um, it, okay. it, it's a utility it's rope. Purpose. It does it does a few different things. Boba Fett used them, Jango Fett used them, and and Jinjarin used them. So I included them in the list. It's 
it's a rope that they can shoot at people. That's all I got on like the on like the greater backstory and and culture. Can I add something real quick? Please, before we're about to move into a break. <laughs> so any any questions, any any lingering thoughts, please, <laughs> any please bits? ask them. So so this is gonna be a good thing to leave on. So I went looking for the super super commando codex laws in a poster. Couldn't find it. What I could find though, which is just the best balance of nerdy and like spot on mm-hmm. is there is apparently somewhere a Mandalorian Mercs costuming club and their bylaws are called the Super Commando Codex. Good. Which is like good. Yep. so good. Yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can't find like an actual like list. I'm, I'm sure there's been like examples they've dropped of like this is part of the Super Commando Codex, but I cannot find an actual comprehensive list. That's how it came up in my research, which when like when they would talk about things that he was doing in in the Mandalorian, they would just like, and that is from the Super Commando Codex, or from, or like they would just call it like the Mandalorian Code, or somewhere like it's mm-hmm. it's all sure all part of that Mandalorian Code. There are all these rules? Any questions? We all good? We un- kind of feel like where where you know where we're coming from. Yeah, I mean, look, like Star Wars is Star Wars is fun. It it's not known for being complex. Yeah, like I get it. It's get complex it. <laughs> in in that there's like a bajillion moving pieces, but none of yeah. those pieces do anything inherently right. complicated. Yeah. Like I I can't believe that the Mandalorians have this like really complicated like religious mythology and you know like all of this like really like storied you know dynasties and like I don't, whatever i mean it's like they fight that's yeah period i mean i'm like i'm with you right now um part of my thing with star wars is like this stuff is all cool and i like it and then when it gets into like well there was this battle and this guy came out of it and then he became this other guy at this battle like that's that's where i really start to get lost in the weeds because i just don't really give a shit and uh all <laughs> sci-fi is just like fantasy but in space but I think that Star Wars, Star Wars and Star Trek, you can make the argument for either, are like the most fantasy bullshit, but in space. You couldn't. Oh, my God. Matt, how are you on a How do you do a nerd podcast and you think that they're but Star Wars is not sci-fi. Star Wars is fantasy. Star yeah. Wars is high fantasy in space. Star Trek is sci-fi. They are so different. Matt, the don't let him um, actually. I don't, I don't no, agree with you, actually. The, I don't agree with I'm, you at all. I'm going to back you up, Andrew. The differences between, like, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings is just that George Lucas set Star Wars in space and and gave them, like, space-age technology. But other than that, it's just Lord of the Rings. Like okay, so, like, that yeah, was the argument that I'm trying to make. D&D. And I'm not going to sit here and fight with you, because <laughs> I, I will, but that's not the podcast yeah. we're doing right now. Um, not today. But what I'm trying to say here is that, like, Star Wars is absolutely fantasy in space, mm-hmm. and I don't care for fantasy all that much. And so putting it in space doesn't help. So I'm with you right <laughs> now, and I'm curious if I'm still going to be with you in 10 minutes. I'm glad that we resolved that because Andrew pushed his glasses so far up his nose. Oh, they're in my there's a there's a permanent indent. Um no, when we come back, Matt will definitely lose you because this is where we get into like all the the Cimmerillion level stuff from the Star Wars universe. (laughs) It's just just names and gobbledygook in space. So 
Um, we will take a quick, quick break and let Matt kind of align his brain to prepare for that to, to come blasting at him. But we will be right back. Hey, everyone. Sorry if you were expecting the Wii Shop music. Lucky for you, there are like a thousand and a half covers on YouTube and Spotify and wherever else you stream music. I'm here today to tell you that we would like to fill this slot with something other than the Wii Shop music. We've sort of reached the point with this podcast that we would really love to take on a sponsor or two. And we're not looking for your quips or your lawnmowers or your purple mattresses, although I would very much like at least two of those three things. I'll let you decide which two. We are looking for indie creators in the nerd space just like us. We are not trying to get rich off this show. We just want to help spread indie nerd culture around the globe. So if you are someone who makes dice, if you are an artist who takes commissions, if you have a video game or nerd or comic related brand, we would love to run an ad for you on the show. We've put together some sponsorship packages, and we've made sure to keep the price point low enough that people like us would be able to afford it. So if you have any interest in advertising with us, or you know someone who might, shoot us an email and get in touch at debatethiscast at gmail.com. All right, we're back. So we all we all know the lore and the world building is what like makes the Star Wars universe great, why it's stuck around for what is it 50 years now Six, like that's wild but but the reason we all keep coming back are the actual star wars um the the stories the 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 tales um, <laughs> um our, i'm laughing at matt laughing <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying it's just it's a funny fucking sentence like you know what keeps really it around good. it's the, the star, star wars, wars. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> the wars really and good. the stars. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's what it is. The stars um, war, as it were. <laughs> nope, that's something different. What? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our, our Mandalorian deep dive wouldn't be complete without telling you about some of the scuffles that the Mandalorians have gotten into over the years. Um, I kind of touched on this before, but as you may know, the Star Wars universe is lush with stories that take place over many, many thousands of years. And fortunately, nerds came up with a system uh, to help put these events in an easy-to-understand context. Like I said, it's the the year BBE, BBY, before the Battle of Yevon, and after the Battle of Yevon, uh, you know, it puts it in context of the New Hope, the nice cultural touchstone everyone has seen. Yes, Matt? I have a question. It's a dumb question. I remember a long time ago on a debate this episode. In a galaxy far, far away? No, where Andrew did yeah, a, a praise Yevin bit. Yeah, I was trying to be a nice friend and not call Kyle out. It's Yavin. Yavin. Yavin 4. Uh, Yavin is Yevin is is the the small man that lives inside the giant space whale in Final Fantasy X. Um, and Andrew, gives that space Andrew. whale force powers? Andrew, question <laughs> for you. Is yes, your so. medical coverage going to be able to cover removing the glasses from your <laughs> <laughs> from the inside of my fucking brain? Probably not. Um, thank you, Andrew. The Battle of Yavin. Yep. I right now I'm surgically removing the thumb from my asshole. <laughs> um, so I will do my best to put these to give you years for these events that we're about to cover. Um, the but the history of the Mandalorians is long and it's buried in novels that have been abandoned by Disney and that I have not read. And it's not always clear. 
but when possible, I will cover the, the dates with an appropriate year. So we are going to go back to 7,000 BBY um, and talk about the first kind of record recorded exploits of the Mandalorians, the Mandalorian Crusades. The Mandalorian Crusades are the name given to the conquering missions of the early Mandalorians on nearby Outer Rim planets. There aren't a ton of details about these planets before their conquest because they've just been so assimilated into the Mandalorian culture, but they they happened. They, you know, as they l learned space travel, they traveled to the, the closest planet and conquered mm -hmm. them as a warrior species. <clears throat> um, Kyle, question. Yes. Okay, so we've established where this is in the timeline related to A New Hope. Is all of this stuff post the first Mandalore or did did stuff happen before they like appointed like a gang that Genghis Khan esque chieftain? That all happened. Um, what's his name? Jaster Mareel was sixty BBY. Got it. Okay. So okay. that that was only in the the Noted. few years preceding what we know as the Star Wars continuity. This was seven thousand years before that. Cool. Um, so these crusades began around, like I said, seven thousand BBY. And continued for almost 3,000 years um, with Mandalore conquering planets from all the way from the outer core. They made their way all their way into the deep core, which um, I think I said earlier, it kind of goes like out to in, outer core, inner core, core, and then deep core. So like they made it, they conquered a lot in 3,000 years. Hmm. And they made it all the way to the deep core before the Mandalore Crusaders, led by someone named Mandalore the Indomitable. No, that sucks. Absolutely <laughs> not. Right on the nose. Huh? <laughs> um, before Mandalore the Indomitable was killed by Sith Lord Quell Droma. And Matt, here's where the names start, and I am so sorry. <laughs> God, this sucks. I hate it. Let me know when I need to pump the brakes and reestablish what some names mean, because they are these are all just some Star Wars ass names that like <laughs> if you don't keep them straight are just like a hodgepodge of letters and syllables. Jedi names I I know are notoriously babble. Yeah. Um. So the Mandalorians expanded ex and expanded throughout the galaxy, following the tenets of the canons. Um, basically their whole goal at this point was like to find a worthy foe. Like they weren't, they weren't like conquering these planets for their resources necessarily. They were just looking for something better to fight because that's what their culture was. So led by Mandalore the Indomitable, they attracted the attention of Sith Lord Queldroma. Mandalore, the person, thought that Queldroma had kind of overextended his resources tried to conquer Queldroma's, the Sith Lord's home kind of system. Um, so they, they went in and they attacked a few planets for Mandalore and took them over and, and, and had a few good victories when Queldroma sent an envoy to tell them, hey, knock it off, quit talk, not, taking over our planet, or we're going to wipe <laughs> quit it. Quit it. Yeah. <laughs> told him, knock it off or risk annihilation. You're fucking around. You ready to find out? <laughs> um, Man Mandalore the Indomitable said, yeah, I'm ready to find out. And proposed that instead of like that deal of us stopping or you killing us, he said, 
hey, why don't the two just the two of us do battle and the winner swears fealty to the other? Okay. Mandalore the Indomitable, you know, conquered a few planets from under the Sith and and then basically said, like, we're gonna keep doing this, or you can battle you can battle me in the winner winner take all kind of thing. So they met on the planet Krar, which has no <laughs> other significance to the Star Wars universe that I'm aware of. Um, and you think they just make right. up random ass planets for story? <laughs> they yeah. totally they do. Must. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, so they stupid. can, so why not? I, I would like the listeners to know that Matt has right now what I could only be described as Kingdom Hearts face. <laughs> Which is just like, I want to fucking die. I'm close, man. I, I'm i trying to like tick through our other flavor text to think if there's one that I've given less of a shit about. But this is up there. It's See, up I'm there the complete sure. opposite. Like I'm, I am into this. Todd is, Todd is just eating all of this up. This is, this is how That's I felt cool. during the Five it's Nights fine. at Freddy's one. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Hard. Um, it's like it's, it feels very Germany before World War One. There's just a lot of like, come at me, bro. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, the thing that, the only thing that snaps me out of it was honestly just our joke about it. like they can just make up planets. It's yeah. fine. Like it's an, inf- it's an infinite, an endless galaxy. Yep. Like whatever. Yeah. Um, also Sith names. Sith and <laughs> Sith names. So many Sith names coming at you. So many names coming at you guys. Um so so they met on planet Krar and Mandalore the person. And I and we're not gonna cover any more of them, but there were like four or five people named Mandalore. No. As I went through the hist like so every leader as they got the title Mandalore, then also just changed their name to like Mandalore the thing like oh, there's Mandalore okay. the great and man like so there were a few Mandalores I'm only talking about the indomitable here so they showed up on the planet and Mandalore immediately like put in a few stipulations on the fight to help even the odds um knowing that his Sith opponent commanded some power over the force so the first was that this battle was not going to take place on the ground but in this like network of connecting chains in the air that define the planet you know how every star wars planet has its thing this one okay. is that like there's like <laughs> this network of cables in the sky it's like a fucking they, ropes course planet yeah 100 <laughs> you got it that's exactly it so for, God, this sucks was he wanted to fight in the in the ropes course not on the ground <laughs> It's pretty nice that there's a whole planet dedicated to team builders. (laughs) (laughs) The second rule that Mandalore wanted established that he would be allowed to use his like custom droid war mount and that Queldroma Keldroma would not get to use anything like that for some reason. (laughs) Wait. How does all right. (laughs) I get a gun. Also you don't get a gun <laughs> the the last stipulation was that they would both use the, a traditional mandalorian weapon a mythosaur axe which is just an axe created from the bones of this dinosaur that lived on mandalore at one point in time um <laughs> whatever again with the with the goal of taking away the sith lord's advantage of having a lightsaber which is this whole thing is like <laughs> fine i'll fight you but like you don't you don't you don't get to use your powers. You guys uh, want to come you, to my house and play a game? I just made up the game and all of the rules yeah. benefit me. 
Um, also, fucking, I get the only I get the ball. only working controller. Yeah, here's here's the Mad Cats I threw against the wall three days ago. <laughs> here's the thing. I'm gonna though. play on the HD TV. I've connected the other Xbox to the old tube television downstairs. Keldroma still won that fight. Of course. Um, nice. You know, he just focused on using his his force powers and and beat Mandalore, thus kind of winning winning Mandalore's army and troops and use them in his own battles coming up. Um, so he had this now legion of shock troopers, basically, for his upcoming campaign against the Galactic Empire, which he was about to take on. Imagine having an entire army of troopers that looked like one of the Mandalorians. That's wild. It's all of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> um, never been done before. So that happens. He attacks the the Republic, the the old Republic, and I think he loses. I tuned out after that. Um, eventually, Mandalore kind of decides he doesn't want to work for Keldroma anymore, and uprises against him and and dies outright in this very glory glorific battle for the Mandalorians. Mm. But um, they. They lose the imp- the the republic kind of beats them beats the Sith back, and and everything quiets down for a little while. Mandalorians go back to kind of just planet hopping and conquering for conquering's sake, which leads into the events that lead to our next event, the Mandalorian Jedi War, which I I'm not positive, but I think is what they're referring to in Knights of the Old Republic. Andrew I think so too it's it was never given a timeline but the old republic yeah it would have been it would have been around this time because it's very very much before and this this all happens in the in the build up to the collapse of the old republic so yep yep this is exactly what that is um so this this takes place in the the some 2000 years between the end of the Mandalorian crusades with the Sith and the fall of the old republic in 1032 BBY these skirmishes kind of helped advance the Mandalorian technology to what we kind of think of it today, um, because they were they were just doing an arms race basically with the Jedi and their force powers. They just kept upping their weapons to counteract those. Um, so there was a brief period of peace between the Jedi's and the Mandalorians. They they got in conflict again as Mandalorians tried to conquer these Republic planets that Jedi swore to protect. Jedi would come in and be like, no, you can't conquer this planet. It's part of the Republic. We're here to protect it. This is my planet. Can't have it. It's my planet. Um, Things quieted down for a little while um, when, here's here's another name for you, Matt, Tare Vizala became the first Mandalorian inducted into the Jedi Order. The first That's not that bad, though. That's that's a good, (laughs) I'm I'm good with that. You're good with Tare Vizala? How's Matt doing? I mean, literally every Star Wars name sounds like something I would order at a Mediterranean restaurant. Like, Tare Vizala is absolutely a Mediterranean dish. <laughs> Good. Um, so, so with his time with the Jedi, um, Vizala created the Darksaber. Um, okay, that fucking shut rules. Up. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Shut yeah. up. Um, a, a un- That's some, you missed me with that Shadow the Hedgehog bullshit. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> super, super Shadow the Hedgehog stuff. Um, it is a unique black-bladed lightsaber, kind of incorporated the, the Mandalorian people's like des- weapon design mm-hmm. into a lightsaber design. So it's got 
more of a traditional like sword hilt than like the the lightsaber canister we all think of. I I didn't find a ton about like the properties that make it unique, except that it's focusing crystal also connects with the user's connection to the force in a way that like the other lightsabers don't, which gives it more strength when the, when the person wielding it is in like a heightened emotional state. Um, the, all the wikis said it like would give off this, like elect this electrical energy, this electrical crackle, very Dragon Ball Z style as the person wielding it got more intense in the fight. Isn't that what Kylo Ren's sword does? Maybe not. Does it? No. And and this is where like the old canon, the new canon kind of get into it. Like Kylo Ren's is different, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, It's also like specifically strong against other lightsabers um, one thing I saw said that it has almost a magnetic attraction to lightsabers. So like if you're fighting with the dark saber against a, a normal lightsaber, they're going to have a harder time kind of breaking connections and you'll have an easier time parrying them and blocking things. Cause the dark saber is going to draw that lightsaber cl- toward it. It's mostly symbolic and the dark saber is going to come up a lot as we go forward. It comes up a lot in the Clone Wars and Rebels cartoons as well. Um, it shows up in the Mandalorian TV show as well. So it's it's a a, a very important artifact in the Star Star Wars universe, and it's created by this first ever Mandalorian Jedi. Hmm. Um, at some point, Tare Vizala returns to Mandalore to rule as their Mandalore. Um, and he, he rules there, there's a, a period of peace between the two while he's in charge. Cause obviously he's still a Jedi, so he's not going to like fight the Jedi and, and, and eventually he dies. Um, and when he does, the Jedi recover the dark saber and kind of add it to their archives as a, as a artifact of importance. Um, so then in 1032 BBY during the fall of the old Republic, this, this political faction, called the House Vizala from Mandalore, go to the Jedi archives in kind of the confusion and take back the Darksaber as kind of their their object of representation of their, like, leadership over the planet. So they take the Darksaber back to be their, like, their Excalibur. You know, whoever has the Darksaber is the the leader of Mandalore. Question. um, Um, Going forward. This House Vizala, is yes. that a political faction of Jedi or a political faction of Mandalorians? It's Mandalorians. Mandalorians, okay. Got so it. these are these are Mandalorians who, you know, they there was this period of peace between the Mandalores and the Jedi. This this political political faction was like, we don't care about that. We want our power back and we we hold our representation of that power in this sword. So they went and stole the sword back. Got it. Um, and, and this fractioning them, taking it back kind of ignites the Mandalorian Jedi wars in full. Um, so the conflict immediately is back on the Jedi are like, if you're not going to respect our traditions, we aren't going to let, we aren't going to stand for that. And they go to war. Um, the war finally ends then in this final battle on Mandalore where the Jedi scorch the planet, just like destroy everything on Mandalore leaving Mandalore and its moon uninhabitable outside of these like 
climate-controlled dome cities. Kind of a dick move on the Jedi's part. Super yeah, a little dick bit. move on the Jedi's part. Yeah. Um, and this and this creates this like deep resentment among the Mandalorians for the Jedi that lasts till at least through the events of the Mandalorian, the TV show. It's still going. The, the resentment is still held then, for obvious reasons. So from there, we kind of go. The next big one we get is the Mandalorian Civil War. There's two Mandalorian Civil Wars that we're going to kind of cover here. This all takes place during the events of the Clone Wars and the Rebels cartoon. So I'm not going to go like all into it because there's eight seasons of a TV show that gets all this backstory. I'm just going to touch on the quick beats of it. Point of reference and remind me because I've never seen the show. Does that take place in between the two prequel movies? I believe that's what it is. Clone Wars, Clone Wars, the the cartoon Clone Wars takes place between episodes two and three of the okay. of the main series movies, and Rebels takes place immediately following the events of New Hope. I believe. Okay. It's. I know Darth Vader is like full black suited Darth Vader, and the. Okay. Um, um, might be before a new hope, but he's like Darth Vader as we know yeah. and love him in rebels. Um, question for you, Kyle. Yes. Are you going to share what Darth Maul's brother's name is in this yes. description? Mm-hmm. Good. Cause I want to see Matt's reaction. When yep. you do. We're going to get to it. Um, it's the worst. <laughs> and, and yeah, spoiler, Darth Maul is involved in the Mandalorian civil war and it's pretty cool. Which is actually. fine. Yeah. Darth oh, Maul's it's rad. Yeah. It's awesome. So sometime after the the Mandalorian Jedi War, there was this attempt on Mandalore to create a society that wasn't warrior-based. I didn't find all the details. The the Wikipedia is not well organized, so this was a lot of this was a hunting mission as well. Imagine that. Yeah. Um at at some point though, um Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi spent a year on Mandalore basically keeping the peace there. And while they were there, they had a lot of influence over um, Duchess Satine Kreis, who is a very was in a very high leadership role at the time. And basically, she, with her with their influence, kind of encouraged her to push the planet toward peace and um, being less of a, a warrior society. A lot of Mandalorians did not like this. You know, their culture forever and ever has been warriors that you know those codes of honor conquering battle etc etc and one of one such group the death watch um a descendant group of the house of Izala, were were her fiercest opponents and they're the ones who they they had the they have the dark saber in their possession the death watch does duchess duchess sabine as she's called was able to keep the reins of the new Mandalorians, as they were calling themselves, um, was able to keep it together through some very rocky times. You know, there were a lot of people, the the wiki calls them crime lords. A lot of organized crime lords were trying to take her out so they could, like, join the Clone Wars um, and, and start profiteering by selling stuff to both sides of the war. They wanted her out of the way so mm. they could join in. Um, she yeah. was... She was keeping Mandalore neutral in the Clone Wars throughout her her reign. Despite the fact that the clones were 
clones of a Mandalorian. Despite J- the fact Fett. that the clones were clones of, of Jango Fett, a Mandalorian soldier, yes. Um, which I don't touch on a ton in here. It, it, their relationship doesn't come up a ton, but like, yeah, that's very much a thing. Fair enough. So she was mostly successful at remaining neutral until the Death Watch rescued the top half of Darth Maul and his brother, Savage Opress. Fuck off. What Get that, the fuck Matt? did you just say to me, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> what in the goddamn fuck did you just say? <laughs> that Darth Maul's brother's name is Savage Opress. You heard that I correctly. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. and so... Thank you for unpacking that. I'm still upset, but can you go back to the top half of Darth Maul, please? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. End of Phantom Menace. Obi Wan Kenobi gets cuts cuts Darth Maul in half, and then he falls down a a ventilation shaft. On right. Naboo. Yeah, I got that. I've seen the movie, but like the that top half is still sentient. Sentient. Yeah, that's where the well, brain is. Um, well, here's here's the thing, Matt. People like Darth Maul so much. <laughs> They're like, we can't leave him in the, in the 10 years between the end of the Phantom Menace and the start of the Clone Wars, Darth Maul keeps himself alive just through like the dark side and sheer f- rage and force of will. So his his hatred of Obi-Wan Kenobi keeps him alive <laughs> as a torso and head for this 10 years. This is me hand-waving. Todd, yeah, Todd is I'm, aggressively hand-waving. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to point out that this is the second flavor text that we have referenced the bad guy from Will Smith movie Wild Wild West, but is he basically just the bad guy from Wild Wild West for 10 years? Yep. He goes through two iterations of robot legs during these 10 years, one of which is... For spider legs, yes. It's a real, it's a real Daniel Day Lewis move. Star Wars. Who's actually in that movie and not Daniel? Who's in that movie and not actually Daniel Day Lewis? That I just keep thinking. It's Kevin Klein, I think. Isn't it Kevin Klein? No, he's the. He was Will Smith's buddy. Oh. I forget who was the bad guy. I'm gonna look that up. All right, let me. I'd rather look that up than listen about Darth Maul's brother. <laughs> I don't have his name. I just have the picture. <clears throat> you don't want to learn more about Savage Opress. <laughs> Savage Opress sounds like a discount WWE wrestler. Like somebody who you <laughs> unlock in an N64 wrestling game. That's good. Uh, oh, it's, oh, that's right. It's Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. Who directed the first Thor movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Shakespearean actor. Um. So where where was I? I got lost. In Savage long, Opress. You were right here. Long tangent we took. Um. <laughs> I'm going to make this picture of Dr. Loveless the image for this episode. <laughs> it's semi-important to note that why that in that year Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn were on Mandalore, on Mandalore, it's probably likely that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duchess Satine had a had a relationship. Ooh. Yeah. So Darth Maul, his brother, Savage Opress, and the Death Watch all start kind of recruiting more support against Duchess Satine, the new Mandalorians and the Jedi, and eventually are able to overthrow the new Mandalorians and claim control of Mandalore. It is then that the leader of the Death's Watch, descendant of Tare Vizala, named Pre Vizala. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Good. What? Yep. You're right. Betrays Darth Maul. Not Darth Maul anymore. He's just Maul now because the Darth is a Sith title and he's not Sith anymore. 
Because he um, got no legs. Because he got no legs. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> he, so pre pre Vizala betrays Maul and has him imprisoned and claims control of Mandalore. Um, Maul in prison turns to some of these other political prisoners and factions them together to help him break out of prison. Fight, um, breaks out of prison, fights Pre, and kills him with his own dark saber. So turns him into post Vizala. <laughs> turns him into post Vizala. God. Um, so so Darth Maul has the dark saber, and now with the dark saber, representative control of Mandalore. He establishes this puppet prime minister. It's some guy. I didn't even put his name in because he he dies in in four minutes in this story anyway. Um, <laughs> some some ancient law. Darth Maul isn't allowed to be the like the Mandalore because he's not Mandalorian. So this other guy is, but Darth Maul tells him what to do anyway. So now in charge, Maul uses Duchess Satine to bait out Obi Wan Kenobi to come back to Mandalore. To make him fight, to make to fight, he wants to get revenge on Obi Wan Kenobi for cutting him in half ten years ago. Fair, reasonable, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obi Wan comes to Mandalore. They fight, and in the fight, Maul actually wins. He um, he he gets the upper hand on Obi Wan Kenobi. He kills Duchess Satine and makes Obi Wan watch, and then has Obi Wan imprisoned. Um, which he later escapes from prison and and flees to come back and fight another day. So Maul is in charge. He's got Obi Wan taken care of, and he's he's happy. When a a different Mandalorian faction, the Night Owls, what? try to <laughs> yeah, that's they're all fine. It's a bunch of clans. It's a bunch of warring clans, Matt. So this is just another. Yeah, I mean, clan. I get that, Kyle, but like, there's a big difference between the Death Watch and the Night Owls. Um, the Night Owls are the group following, uh, they're under the Duchess Satine's, yeah, they're under Satine, Satine's sister, Bo-Katan, is in charge of the Night Owls, so they're trying to take Mandalore back for these new Mandalorians. Okay. Yep. It, you just, get this. these are the, the bad guys won for a little bit on Mandalore, and the good guys are coming back to try and, and take it back. Got is, it. Is the the simplest way I can can break that down. <laughs> That's as complicated as I needed. Thank you. All this conflict and like Maul drawing Obi-Wan to Mandalore and fighting him and 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 the Night Owls trying to take things back, all this shuffling and conflict attracts the attention of Darth Sidious, who isn't happy Darth Maul is back. He thought he was dead. He's got a new apprentice now. He doesn't want Maul coming in to like try and it's really awkward try and claim the throne. Yeah. So he shows up on Mandalore and takes Maul and his brother Savage Opress. Remember I, that, Matt? <laughs> I can't say that name enough. Um, he takes them off world them off world to punish Maul for operating outside his rule. Um, so the Night Owls. In, in the power vacuum, take Mandalore back over, put Satine's sister, Bo-Katan, in power, and, and they kind of rule for a little bit, but are ousted later when uh, Darth Sidious 
or when are ousted later by Darth Sidious when they won't um, swear fealty to the Empire, and Sidious puts a proxy in place. His name's Gar Saxon. He's not important because he's going to get ousted here again in the next paragraph. But, a lot of red shirts in this continuity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is a second civil war. Uh, these are the. This is most of the events of um, the the rebels, the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. Okay. Um, and Bo Katan is put back in power, um, rallies the Mandalorians to reject Empire control, and unites them in a rebellion against the Empire. And they win their planet back. They're independent again. They're all like riled up under this one leader because they've got a good enemy to fight, and mm-hmm. and they do it. They win. They have their planet back. So so is is Boca Raton the current Mandalore? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Well, in 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 this moment for, for for a little bit okay so so she's in charge for for now and um we will we will just wrap up this this history of the of mandalore with the events of the mandalorian show and i can finally stop saying this word nine thousand <laughs> times we wrap up our history with bo katan hijacking a shipment of weapons that is headed toward the empire in an attempt to you know disrupt the supply line trying to get back the dark saber which is un- under um, the empire's control right now and they act in the process they rescue Mandalorian bounty hunter Din Jaren and his ward Grogu which are the two main characters the Mandalorian and baby Yoda from the show Mandalorian cool got it thanks <laughs> all right we made it did we so have that's... to do this for an hour and a half uh, there's well there's there's more <laughs> um so so they're you know they they rescue him Jin Jaren and Grogu go off on their own again a little bit but they they come back together um with with Din Bo-Katan and legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett when baby Yoda Grogu gets kidnapped by the Empire again they got to go back and rescue him they got to go back in they got to go back in rescue mission so Din Jaren Pedro Pascal um, boards an, imp- an imperial light cruiser while Fenton and uh, Bo-Katan run interference. And Din Djarin succeeds in rescuing Grogu, Baby Yoda. He captures this Im- imperial general, Moff Gideon, which isn't a name that matters to anyone but Todd, who's watched um, The Mandalorian. Played by Giancarlo Esp- Esposito. Play- played by, um, yeah. Uh, Gus from Breaking <laughs> Gus, Bad. Gus Fring is what Gus I wanted Fring to say. Gus Fring from ba- Breaking Bad. Um, and and in that, he also brings back the Darksaber, making um, Pedro Pascal the rightful Mandalore of the Mandalorian ah. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where my research end, ended because I couldn't say the word Mandalore anymore <laughs> and needed to wrap it up somewhere. So I thought I'd wrap it up on that nice touchstone with cool with the fandom. Um Kyle. Yes. Do Todd. you think that the whole whoever defeats the owner of the Darksaber is the Darksaber's owner is in the Super Commando Codex? Maybe. I feel I like I hadn't thought of that. Um but it you know the timeline works like the dark mm-hmm. saber would have been in control of would have been in someone's control yeah. while he wrote it so like mm-hmm. it would have make it would make sense um he i know um like 
Pedro Pascal tries to give the dark saber to and yeah, Bo- the whole to Bo Katan, and and she's like, "No, I can't take it. You want it? It's yours. You're the you're the leader now." So like, mm-hmm. there is there are you're rules the set up for for that transfer of power, but I don't. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's in the with co- without the going too much into comics. it, um, listeners and Andrew and Matt. Um, it's a real like Gus Fring. I I was I was playing ahead. What you thought was happening didn't happen because I'm smart. Moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, whatever, man. You okay. don't need to watch the series now. You know how it ends. <laughs> we got, got it. it. You're all caught up. Pedro Pascal is the new Boca Raton. Got yep. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, the Mandalorian is the new Mandalorian. Yes. The, the Mandalorian is the Mandalore of Mandalore. <laughs> Z- Zendaya is whatever that character <laughs> is. Is Lychee? Is Zendaya is Lychee. Perfect. <laughs> Are we done? Man, I it? love this. Shut up, Matt. This is so cool. I, I do Matt, not... this, is, this is payback for making me sit through the Five Nights at Freddy's one, is, is all this is. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sure, so Matt, whatever. So, Matt, the... Pedro Pascal is now the most important character in the series, which makes him the purple man. Is that is this a thing? Is this right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Less okay. childhood trauma, but also still childhood trauma. Let me let me just call it what it is. I think I, I don't remember if I said it while we were recording or if I said it during our break that like I discovered around Rogue One that I don't care about Star Wars outside of the Skywalker saga. And it's cool to me that people do. I'm glad that there is a fandom for this. I'm glad that people like it. I don't even have a great reason why I don't like it. It's just one of those things that, like, I've got a lot of nerd shit running on my bandwidth right now. And Star Wars got cut. And I don't care. And You know what I think it is? Star Wars takes up a lot of that. Like, if you let it take up any of your nerd bandwidth, it takes up a lot of it. Yeah. And very similarly except when i care about it i cut a lot of it out until i care again and then i cut it out again i i've been trying to put piece it together in the back of my mind because i like i i didn't hate this i i nothing this like i'm like okay yeah it's fine mm-hmm. i i think and i'm reacting similarly i thought you did an awesome job kyle yeah and you put that together because i imagine these are like so many like minor threads and a bunch of other like bigger pieces so of many so, like, so many of these say, wiki pages were job. like two or three paragraphs long yeah totally so like awesome job i think i reacted to this similarly to the league of legends thing in that like Mm -hmm. i think this is neat in concept but what i am reacting to is it's not anything i haven't seen before and and we're so inundated now with nerd shit that it's really hard to grasp to attach yourself to anything that isn't even like a little bit unique, a little risky, a little bit of a challenge. And that's not Star Wars fault because Star Wars certainly did it first or did was one of the first. But it's the same reason like I don't give a shit about Lord of the Rings because it's nothing I haven't seen before. Right. It's very much it's very much Seinfeld syndrome where like yeah, everything every, you know, every sitcom after Seinfeld did the same thing Seinfeld did a little different, a little better, but like it's still Seinfeld was still the first and like that's always going to sure. mean something and it'll never not be important. Similarly, Star Wars is always going to mean something for for 30 years. It, your options for deep lore like this were Lord of the Rings, Star Trek or Star Wars. And yeah, and since then, so many things have 
matched that in terms of deep yeah. lore that like everything is deep lore everything has a deep lore mm-hmm. now right mm-hmm. yep so it's, just, it's it's really hard to yeah i mean it's like i don't like ocarina of time is a great game but i don't need to play ocarina of time again like i don't need to it's same, i think it's the same idea here it's like i can understand the importance but i'm just like i'm not personally like super invested in it yeah and i think that's okay and i think something about star wars that maybe makes it a little bit different than some other stuff is that star wars Everyone I know who's really into Star Wars has a very nostalgic reason that they're into Star Wars. Like someone or something gave them the reason to care about Star Wars. That's why everyone like hates and loves it all at the same time is because Mm -hmm. like it is this this fantasy property mostly made for children that means so much to them. And then like. Disney just kind of farted out three movies and like, yeah, didn't didn't match their level of caring about it. So like they love you love it so, so much. And at the same time, hate it so, so much because like it's just all over the place. Because, again, it's 50 years of continuity that was mashed down into 10 years now. Like, right. And I think to combine that with what Andrew said, when you take something like Star Wars that doesn't have a lot of super unique points is is generic not because it was written generically but because it was written first if you don't have that reason to get into it there's not a lot of hooks to get in you to keep you coming back and i missed i missed the ship to get on the star wars train and i never have gone back see and i would agree with kind of what we said that you know matt where you said that there's usually a nostalgic reason why you're into star wars So that exactly explains why I'm so lukewarm on Star Wars. Like I didn't have, you know, I I had a couple friends that were super into it, but I didn't have any like family members or older siblings or like influences that brought me to Star Wars before episode one. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't like I'm the complete opposite of you. I do not care about the Skywalker saga. Like I do not care. And whereas when the Mandalorian the, the show, not the planet, not not the person, <laughs> not, the, not the title, the name, the planet or the yeah. race. Yeah. When, when it was presented, I was like, oh, I'll watch an episode. And if it doesn't require me to have any sort of like worldly knowledge of the Star Wars properties, then I'm going to get into it. And so when it really didn't outside of later, do you know who Boba Fett is? Then like I'm in. And so for me, it was like, I am super into the stuff because I don't need to actually know about the Star Wars. I just get what I get here. (laughs) And I I will I will say like the man, the Mandalorian, the show is is very much that on ramp Mm -hmm. back onto the ship that like so many people got off of during the prequels and and the Disney sequels. Like it's that look, we know we know the Skywalker saga was a mess. This is separate from that. And then it's Mm. like the circles are going to touch. It's very much that on ramp um, that doesn't have a lot of the star Wars gobbledygook until you're well into the story and ready to hear it. Cause for the first eight episodes, it's man travels to place to do, to do side mission or to do mission side mission comes up and, and he has to do side mission before he can continue mission. And like, there's a really good TikTok, cool. not that you would know, Matt, where <laughs> where Thanks. it goes. It's like Roasted. every episode of The Mandalorian. Like, oh, I'm on this planet. I need this thing. I can give you that thing if you do this stuff for me. 
oh, I've got to do the stuff. Also, I have to defend Grogu. Then <laughs> it's like end <laughs> end of episode, and then the, and then the credits roll, and that's and it's Cowboy Bebop. It's yeah, cow, it's it's a, it's a cowboy show. It's, it's yeah. a cowboy show in space, and and it's very fun once you like set your expectations there. And clearly you don't need any of this backstory. No. You don't need to know about the super commando code. Nope. They they do a great job when, so the last paragraph that Kyle shared where it is relevant to the story, they give you all of that in about three episodes. Each, like, there's like a kind of a, a build up and then it like delivers. And you're like, oh, I get it. That's fine. Yep. This is all unnecessary. Yeah, this is all unnecessary stuff that's in 12 novels from 30 years ago, I'm right. sure. But like... And like we said, like you don't, you can hear the Mandalorians are warfaring people, and you just get yep. it. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. they do trial by combat. They're they probably have like a their clan, they're gang, they're fucking Genghis Khan. Like they're they're the Mongols, like Roman Empire. It's yeah. the the person with the good with the best glowy sword is the ruler. Like you know, yeah. same mm-hmm. you, same. That thing. is not a stretch to make. Like I can mm-hmm. I can pull, I can piece those connect those dots myself. Yep. I liked it. I like this a lot. Good. It's fine. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Matt nods and agrees. I'm. Mm-hmm. I actually. I think it's. I think the mark of a good flavor text actually is when, when there is one person on each plane of mm-hmm. of yeah. enjoyment. So we've got Todd. Soup like Todd ate it all up the whole time. Andrew was like, "Yep, I get it. I'm. I. I hear the word you're saying." And Matt was just like head mm-hmm. in hands exasperated sigh every new character i introduced so well and i think he, got, he done got norted. <laughs> <laughs> Matt got norted i think there there was talks for a while i don't i don't know if it was revealed at the disney plus like press dump last year but there was talks about doing uh, a night owls series with mm-hmm. bo-katan um explaining kind of like what they've been up to and what they've been doing because they just kind of appear in the series um i would also argue that um yes a mark of a good Flavor text is those tears. Whereas when Andrew yelled Kingdom Hearts at us for three straight hours, we were just like, why? What did we do to deserve this? <laughs> One of these days, we all need to put out our power rankings of the flavor text and see yeah. where the middle line is. Because uh, I think it's Magic the Gathering. Oh, I was going to say I Witcher. Mean... I think Witcher and oh, okay. Magic the Gathering are the two or, there. Like, or right Animorphs. I think Animorphs was a good unifying Ooh, one wrong. as well. I, Animorphs is interesting because I think we all equally hated it, but but loved the idea. I hated, I hated and loved it. I just, I think yeah. the thing I loved most—not that we're talking about Animorphs right now—the <laughs> thing that the thing that I loved most was when they finished the series and they're like, "It's not supposed to be a happy ending." Fucking deal with it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it was weirdly dark. So and so died. The other person has PTSD. This shit happens. Yeah, yeah. Unlike grow up. <laughs> and like, unlike the FNAF flavor text, which everybody super loved and had a great time. I oh just, yeah, yep. that was great. I only love FNAF because it's so buck wild. <laughs> and it's like, they dump yeah. stuff out and then they wait for the community to decide what it means. And they're like, oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I like that plane. I love that you love it, Matt. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what it is. To. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so everyone, thank you for listening in to debate this. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. If you want us to do a deep dive that one of us loves, one of us is okay about, and one of us hates, uh, please go to our Patreon and sign up for our our flavor text tier, uh, $50, and we will cover the topic of your choice. 
Hint, it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's not. No. no. Jesus Christ. No. But Ghost Rider is next, bitches. <laughs> Good luck. That's right. So until next time, I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Todd. If you really like this flavor text, you might have a boba fetish. Thomas. I'm Andrew Savage Depressed Henderson. <laughs> and I'm Matt, the settlers of Bo-Katan, Cole. We are saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds.